Welcome to the Wise Men Say podcast where we're going to reflect on a terrible defeat for Sunderland. Um, a bad day at the pool, I think, is one way you would describe it. Um, no Stephen this week. Um, so myself, Gareth Barker, is joined by Wise Men Say editor in chief. I think I think you've earned that title now, whatever it means. It looks probably looks good if you write it down, but means absolutely nothing. Um, it's uh, Richard Easterbrook looking like Martin Clunes. Thank you. In his peak nineties. I mean, we should really screen it, or you can do a selfie and you can put it out. We can put it out there if you want to, because it's why? great. Why? Why would so, I do that? <laughs> well, I like it because it's it's kind of like a or, or curtain maybe from uh, if he's sort of eaten a lot more food. Yeah. No offense, but he is incredibly thin. I'm not saying you're fat. It's just no, you know, no, it's, it's the it's other fine. way around. It's fine. I once I once shaved my head in like a, a low point in in the two thousands. Um, was it twenty twenty? No, it was two, it was two thousand five. It was a cry for help. Um, and and everyone said I looked like PC Garfield out of the bill, and I couldn't do anything about it because you know it's like it's like salt. You can't take it away once once you add too much to a dish. And with hair, once you take too much away, you can't clag it back on. So. So I'm, I've I've gone completely the other way and I've 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 gone curtained, um, kind of embracing my in, inner boy band. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a strong look. Bring it back. Yeah, um, absolutely. And we're also joined by a bit of a blast from the past. Speaking um, of which, yeah, yeah, a, a man who may or may not have been an editor in chief at some point, and he can tell us if it means anything. But he certainly was the chief um, football writer for the Sunderland Echo for many years. It's Chris Young. Hello. Oh, that was a good build-up. You just said hello. It was. It was. I was. I, was, I really flipped my lines there. Yeah. The, the things you roped me into, Gareth. After I meet you in a in a pompy bar. Well, actually, what happened was I saw you and you came over. We had a chat. And you went, "Why don't you get me on the podcast anymore?" And I said, "Well, I didn't know you could do it." And then I didn't have your right number, and you gave me it, and now you're on the podcast within 48 hours. So, yeah. I think that's good. I think that's that's um, very effective recruitment. Um, <clears throat> I'm the sort of speakman of the podcast, I'm going to say now, <laughs> for sort of very quickly bring in the right people, looked at your stats, um, and you were the right man for the job today because you were at the match. That was important because, you know, as we know, uh, from the last few weeks, people don't like it when um, people try and talk about games that they haven't seen on the Wise Men Say podcast. Um, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, how... Tell us what you're doing at the moment, Chris, because obviously you went you like went off to like America or something, um, and now you're in London. So you know, I mean, it's quite exotic. I, I did, yeah. I think the I think the last time I was on the podcast, we were extolling the virtues of David Moyes as the perfect replacement for oh, Sam Allardyce. So uh, yeah, we'll leave that one aside. Um, yeah, I uh, I moved to California for a couple of years uh, after leaving the Echo, uh, and then I've been back in London. Um, for three years now, uh, and I'm working for a, uh, a European company called One Football, heading up all their video. So I've moved from newspapers into video. Seamless switch go. in this brave new digital world. Yeah. <laughs> you sound like a character from like a, uh, what do you call them, film? Richard Curtis film, there, yeah. which I quite enjoyed. Yeah. Is there a lot of Richard Curtis film types that you work with? London, jam-packed with them. Yeah, yeah great. Excellent. That's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, um exactly. And speaking of things that were jam-packed, um, Portsmouth was jam-packed with disappointment and water on Saturday. Um, says Sunderland fell to second defeat of the season, a 4-0 um, battering um, by our um, friends 
uh, who live nearly in France. Um, it was a bit disappointing, wasn't it, Chris? Um, after the lovely pints, the great pints in the brewery next door. No, Fantastic. Um, Tom's, uh, <clears throat> Tom Walsh has uh, been heavily praising them, and he was absolutely spot on. Um, so if you're ever in the area, if you need to go there again, hopefully never again, uh, the staggeringly good brewery around the corner there was a, a terrific treat. Um, but that's probably as good as it got, really, isn't it? Yeah, the three-minute walk to the away end as well. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it was... Um, I said to you afterwards, Gareth, and I think it's probably fair, it's one of those games that you come away from, you forget about, and you dress yourself down and you go again. Um, it was... Sunderland couldn't adapt to the conditions at all. I thought Portsmouth's first goal was decent. I thought they worked that quite well um, down Sunderland's right, albeit that's where a lot of the danger came from um, throughout the first half. But once once they got the second, you can't, you can't chase a game like that. Sunderland were naive. They couldn't adapt to the conditions whatsoever. Um, and in Portsmouth's position where you're a struggling team, lacking confidence, manager coming under pressure, that was just about as perfect an afternoon as they could have wished for. Yeah, I mean, we had a, there was a fella in the hotel before who was kind of saying, oh, you know, it's a big day for the Cowleys because if they don't win the day, <clears throat> they were thinking they could be on the way out. So, you know, that was that was how important that game was for them. And I don't know if Richard, you know, maybe that was reflective in the performance. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, they definitely played like they had a point to prove. Um, and and they, I think they were they were in danger. I mean, no, they had a you know they they came in halfway through last season, got them got them from eighth, uh, tenth to eighth. Um, but they really kind of wanted to kick on this season. But I think the type of football that the Cowleys play, um, it, it's a bit like us under Parkinson. If it's if it's not working, it's not not that fun to watch. Um, and obviously the 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 Portsmouth fans have had a little bit of a rough ride, considering I had what. 20 years of Kenny Jacket ball before that. So so I think I think they were probably right to be to be to be turning. But yeah, that performance looked like a, a direct response to all of that pressure. And um we just got the full brunt of it, didn't we? Perfect plane style in that's condition in those conditions, wasn't yeah, it? It was absolutely it was it was absolutely hopeless for having runners, young lads, um, using their energy, moving into space, um, coming out on the ball, short passing. There was none of that. It was you couldn't do it. It's it's not a million miles from how how we played last season and under no, under Johnson. I, and I'd agree. It, I'd agree. It was percentages, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think I think one one of the criticisms I had over the weekend was that may, maybe Johnson was was trying too hard to be an idealist, um, not kind of changing the way he's playing. Rather, I think he should have been a pragmatist on Saturday. Um, and there's a time and a place for for playing the type of football that we did against Cheltenham and the type that we've been playing this season, but it just wasn't possible on that surface. And I think I think we had the personnel to, to play a more direct style and a bit more of a, an agricultural style, so to speak. Um, I, don't, I don't think, you know, the squad changed too much from, from where it was last season. I know we've lost Wyke and a few of the, the cloggers that we had in midfield, but, you know, that we, we can play that type of football if we wanted to. Um, and I, I think... Looking at the conditions and looking at the way looking at the way Portsmouth play anyway, I mean, you, you don't, you didn't, they didn't change the way they played on Saturday. They just it played to their strengths. We we should have, we should have looked at the conditions and and changed our approach to it accordingly. I just don't think that happened. No, not at all. I think um, again talking about it afterwards, the lads, I 
felt like we did approach the game arrogantly. Um, and it's funny, I was reading the day that Flanagan actually said something similar. Um, mm. And it was almost like, well, like, right, we're your son, and this is how we play now. And we're going to impose our football on you. And I think it definitely played into their hands because, you know, their high pressing style and we couldn't move the ball. And all we were doing was just, you know, creating that problem for ourselves. Too many passes to get out because the options weren't there. And then by the time it came to use the ball, put it in an area, it was just the space was too compressed. And then we were just giving the ball away. And it did feel like early on, you know, there's only, unless we get, unless we do something now and change the way we want to play the game, um, we're going to, we're going to be in trouble. And, you know, the third goal, you know, we're doing the same thing, you know, right clips it to Curtis and gets fouled. And then this goal from the free kick. And that was the, the killer blurry, wasn't it? I know the lads on the reaction kind of said, you know, if you get it, if you got it one nil or, you know, nil, nil, two, one, something like that, you've probably got more cause to, Try and get the game the game called off, haven't you? Yeah, uh, yeah. With the, with the, with a young referee, it's never going to happen. Yeah, I mean, when you're three 0 down, you know you're not giving the referee much of a no. a decision to make. Another, um, well, you know, thoughts on selection, Richard? Um, I know there was some debate about whether it was the right team. I know that the same thing happened on Tuesday, and then you win five nil. Mm. You know, well, that yeah, there's always going to be there's always going to be that that disagreement, but obviously, uh, Johnson kind of earned a little bit of credit over the last the last couple of months or so. Um, but I, I was I was concerned, and it's not hindsight speaking. I, I was concerned at seeing Diaku in there. Um, there's a couple of things I've seen so far, and I've said it before that it's a little bit red flaggy about Diaku. Um, in that he's probably the type of player that'll that'll only play well if the team's playing well. He's not going to he's not going to kind of dictate the play. Um, and in terms of the the job that he would have needed to do in working backwards um, in that, in that wide role, you know, supporting, supporting his fullback, uh, you know, at, I don't think he was up for that job. And with Portsmouth playing down the, down the channels quite a lot, um, you know, the, the, there was a, there was obviously an issue, which wouldn't have, which wasn't there against Cheltenham, obviously, because, Cheltenham posed zero threat at all. And, you know, the times we were playing 4-2-4, there was times when we were playing 4-2-4-4 like two, two, four, four almost. And then, but against Portsmouth, it was a different different kettle of fish. And I don't know, there was there was a couple of red flags there. It was the first time I, I'd seen him in the flesh. And I said to, said to Benno when I saw him afterwards, is there an air of David Bellion about him? He, look, he just looks raw. He looks... You can tell you can tell the pace. You can tell that the element of skills there, but he looks really raw. And I think, as Richard touched on, he lacks that element of discipline over his positioning. I said I said Yanazai, but I didn't. I don't want it to be sounded like a criticism. I just don't think Saturday was the game for him. No. And I, did he have much choice though? Because no, with probably, the, probably didn't. With, with the injuries to Gooch and Broadhead and McGeady, if he doesn't start him in that game, I know it's easy to say. You know, well, you know, it's not a game for just Jack Ewan and agree if he had all those, all three of those players available. And it's probably not a game for, for, for Pritchard either. Yeah. So it, it's a, it was a bit of a, yeah. you know, a bit of a strange one. I mean, he could have, <clears throat> I don't know, it's, it's a difficult one to, to kind of start going, oh, he should have done this, he, he could have done that. I think 
I agree in principle on Diaco, but at the same time, if you say, well, you're the only other winger available, but I'm not going to play in this game. I mean, what does that say to that player? Yeah, like, yeah. I think I don't think you can do that, especially after yeah. he scored in the week. I mean, I agree in, in broadly. I think you know there could be a good player in there, um, but he's just not without the ball. The get his game is non-existent at the moment. Um, yeah, he's he's just a, he hasn't played a lot of first team football. He's wrong. It's going to take yeah. him a while. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think you know I think O'Brien on the other side had a bit. Bit of stick, but when he had a you know, he was okay against Cheltenham. Um, but I thought he was probably our best outfield player at the weekend. I, I don't know what you thought, Chris, or somebody who was there. Agreed, yeah, I agree. I thought he, I thought he was the only one who got to grips with the conditions. He tried to hold it up, he won several decent uh flick ons for Stewart. Um, and he tried to at least play a few percentages by running at defenders, trying to win corners, etc. I thought, I thought he was decent. I thought it, it it was a it was actually a game that suited his game more than anyone yeah. else's. I think. I mean, I guess you you know you you want to talk about how it's set up. Maybe there's a way to to get him up alongside Stewart and almost go with a bit of a diamond or something like that. Maybe in the midfield to try and you know accommodate that. I don't know. It just felt as though maybe when I know we went to three at the back in the second half and kind of put that. Sort of try to have like more of a two forward sort of thing, but I mean the damage was done by then. And it's and it's very difficult to set to set up your starting eleven, isn't it? In a vastly different formation after you've just won five now. Yeah, yeah. I think you know it would have been a, bra- a brave man to do something like that, and then if you lose three or four nil in the game, yeah, exactly. and you've done it. People are going to say, "Oh well, why did you change it? Why didn't you go to your?" Um, go to the sort of your default setting. I was interested actually. Like you said at the start, Chris, about um, how I was like kind of forgetting to move on and going back again to Flanagan's comments. He said, you know, people have said this, but we shouldn't. We shouldn't mm. forget it and move on. We should remember it and learn mm. from it. Mm. Um, and it was good, you know, I think Flanagan can come out this season with a lot of credit so far. And I think, um, and again, on the reaction, I know that I was kind of saying, oh, but I kind of dread to hear what like the kind of things Johnson's going to say after the game. But I, I think he was pretty much spot on as well really and what he said he was didn't he was his assessment was very fair um it, yeah it's a relatively easy one for a manager I always think those kind of games where, where you've been thumped comfortably you've got a little bit of mitigation with the weather but you've got no real defense for your team so yeah I think you can hold your hands up be honest um say a few home truths I think I think going back to what Flanagan said I think it's probably bent more beneficial for the younger players of the team um you're not you're not going up in October November time. Um, you can put yourself in a strong position, but you're um, you're not securing promotion by then. So if it helps to banish any um, complacency, etc., then then there may be some shred of positivity that comes from the day. I was reading they actually in the eighty seven eighty eight third division season. Um, suddenly we're unbeaten in about fifteen games. Went to Bristol Rovers around sort of October, November time. They hadn't won. They'd won one in the last nine games. Um, and then Sunderland went and lost the game 4-0 um, at Bristol Rovers. And then in the week, I think apparently they also played, Alf- it might have been Alfredton or someone like that, and lost that game as well. 
Um, so you, you know that's you know away from home, two games in the week you lose a one four nil, lose another one. You know it, it just goes to show it's you know it it does happen. It's not the end of the world. Um, and I know the second, we'll have a little bit of a chat in the second half of the pod about um, where we are after ten games, but. I know it's important not to get too up, too down, isn't it? Mm, yeah, absolutely. I know. I know you've you've said that quite a bit, and I'm <coughs> I'm trying I'm trying to live my life by that maxim. Uh, using using Gareth as an influence. Well, it's what, not. What, what not, is it coming to? I'm not the first person to say. <laughs> no, that. no, no, no. It's more famously said by uh, Sir Matt Busby. Um, uh, but yeah, not Sir not, Matt Sir Matt Keeling. Yes, yeah, <laughs> said it. Yeah, I don't think he said that. I think he said no. other things. Probably would have said something about Princess Diana and then probably and trailed off or whatever was on whatever it was at the time <laughs> that he was in. Do. But yeah, you, you, it is, it is right. We, we can't get, you know, and and we've had such a good start of the season. Still, lots of positives to be to be had. I know you, you were going to touch on it in the second half, but I think had it come on the end of a, like a winless run, you know, it would we would have been crying from the rooftops and shouting every kind of obscenity possible, but. We can afford to to kind of be a little bit circumspect and kind of go, yeah, this this was, you know, we deserved our medicine on the day. We'll move on. We'll we'll, we'll go on, and you know, you lick, go start start going all Steve Bruce and dust like, lick, 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 dust yourself down, uh, lick my wounds. Uh, I've never walked away from a job in my life, apart from the jobs that I've walked away from. Um, but yeah, it's it is just a case we need to just regroup, use this two weeks that, that we don't really want to have, but use the next two games that we've got to to you know to try a few new things out get a few new players blooded in and, and get some you know get get the intensity back that we've that we've lost yeah um it was i mean yeah it, it is i think it's a mixture of the things you know like chris has said and tom flanagan said isn't it you forget it but remember it and then yeah you know learn from it and it could happen again this season um, but I think, you know, when you look at the game at Fleetwood um, and, you know, we chuck that away and McGeady comes out and says we should be able to win any game in this league 1-0 and then we play Bolton the following game and beat them 1-0 and manage that game out correctly. That's quite positive, I think. Um, completely different situation on Saturday. And I think, yeah, the weather was the same for both teams, blah, 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 but definitely affected us. More than them, I think, but we didn't. We we should have, you know, we should have resolved that problem a lot sooner than than we actually sort of realised it. Um, but you wouldn't have thought we're going to be confronted with that. You know, it doesn't happen very often a season, that does it, where you, you're playing on a in a swimming pool and you know it maybe once or twice a season. I think it happened at the Stadium Light once last year, didn't it? It was like a midweek home game. I can't remember who we were playing, um, but yeah. Might be Don Astro somewhere. I can't, no, no, it wasn't them. To beat them four 0 in the weekend, didn't we? But yeah, it definitely happened last season where it was looking a little bit choppy up here, and it was the water was like sitting on the surface. But I think they got the game on and we won it. But it wasn't quite as bad as the weekend. I mean, it was it was ridiculous, really. I mean, it was it was a farce. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we'll have a chat about something else and I think now in the second half. I want to give a shout out though to um, the lad who on the way in um, was eating a burger 
So if you're listening, so he was eating a burger and the steward was like, um, you can't have that in there, mate. I was thinking like, what? <laughs> you can't eat burger. You can't take a burger into the match. Like it was like extreme. Laced with vodka. They were like, you've got plenty of time. He's like, you've got plenty of time to finish it before you get in. So he was like, <laughs> scrolling this burger down. I was like, I was like commenting on him and having to laugh with him. And he was like, they haven't seen this though, have they? And he just lifted his coat up to reveal his pie underneath his coat. Like <laughs> contraband. It was absolutely brilliant. I was like, that's excellent. Fair was play, it like yeah. stitched into the lining? <laughs> yeah, it was just, he just had it like just cradled under the coat. It was beautiful. I was like, that is, that was, that, that was the best bit of being at the ground. I thought, that's quality that now yeah, i was like you're I a once, man on my wavelength i once had a, like a, a a big jacket that i that i had for years when both pockets had um had perished so you could get quite a lot just in, <laughs> in the in the lining of the jacket basically <laughs> and uh i it was just after christmas was a boxing day fixture and i just had all of most of the christmas dinner the leftovers just concealed like <laughs> about me person i was just like a huge kind of object like a big, was, like a big spatchcock turkey <laughs> of a <yeah>. man <laughs> No, it's just reaching into my coat to pick out like stuffing balls and mince pies. Absolutely. <laughs> like Henry the VIII of the match. Yeah. It's like it's big turkey leg. Yeah. I was there passing it around the uh, around the northeast corner. Just uh, everyone was loving it. Uh, yeah. Happy days. Happier times, different mm-hmm. times. Um, yeah, so when we come back, um, we'll have a little chat about, um, you know, the state of play after 10 games. Um maybe talk a little bit as well about the uh, Lincoln game, which takes place on Tuesday night in the uh, Papa John's Trophy. The Wise Men Say podcast is brought to you in association with From the Terraces. For a 10% discount, enter the code WMS10 at the checkout stage. While you do that, check out the From the Terraces podcast, presented by Rory Fallow and Matthew Keeling. T-shirts. For more information, search for From the Terraces on social media. Welcome back to the Wise Men Say podcast. Um, so we're 10 games in. Um, my maths tells me that we're going at 2.2 points per game. Your um, maths? Yeah. Well, yes. Is that was it, you're not you're not having that as a as a thing are you not is that is that the wrong no no it's just my like understanding facts. my understanding a, of mathematics no it's just a coincidence that, that that Chris is doing a, a table that he's publishing each week oh well the, sorry on. like but I, I will I will not have you saying that I've caught me off Chris that was beyond the pale um, no it's just you know it's not hard to work out that you know twenty two points over ten games is two point two points per game is it that, that's all i was saying yeah i haven't seen any of chris's tables or whatever sad pathetic things he gets up to on a weekend after a match um but no i haven't seen them but thanks for doing those tables chris anyway no but seriously thank you um yeah so we're going to two the bottom line is we are definitely going at 2.2 points per game who's ever maths you're using um and yeah it's probably quite good isn't it really that's where you want to be i think after ten games, would yeah. you've taken the start that we've had? Def- definitely. I mean, we've 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 got that kind of in the bank now, and kind of a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, 
I'm not sure what the two teams went up with last season in, in Hull and Portsmouth I'm not sure, uh, in Peterborough. I'm not sure if they went up with anything over two two points a game. I think it might have been slightly less. So so kind of we're, we're ahead of the benchmark, um, which is good. And we're, we, you know, we're going to lose games and we're going to have you know rubbish runs. But I think the start to the season, um, had you been offered it on, on the 1st of August, I think we would have uh, happily accepted that. Yeah, you, you can't, as I said earlier, you don't get promoted by October and November, but you can really make it hard for yourself if you don't start off in that fashion. I mean, look at Ipswich, Charlton now, who probably most of us would have thought would feature in the top 10 at least um, at the start of the season. And they've left themselves with a big big job to do, particularly Ipswich, considering they've spent that much money. Um, they're going to, I mean, even if Sunderland are not in the automatic promotion places come April, May, Ipswich is still going to have a massive task on their hands to uh, to get one of those top two now. Mm. Um, so Sunderland have put themselves in a great position. Um, and I think the most encouraging thing I think for me is that there's a semblance of a plan, which there probably hasn't been for, for 10 years. There's a clear system of, of how we want to play. There's logic to the transfers um, and from during the time I covered the club and certainly in the, in the time since then, which obviously hasn't got much better. Um, that was not the case. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's nice. It's just nice to see that, like what, what we said last season was it would be nice if we could see some kind of plan behind behind the football because it doesn't look like anything is the plan and no. that was under that was under Johnson as well and it was I think in hindsight we can kind of appreciate now that he was just doing the best job that he could with the the, the team that he had you know he didn't have much much time at all to get any transfers in and 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 the, the team that he had was was built by you know two two previous managers so it was it was inheriting problems that other Sunderland managers had had kind of long known about in terms of having a uh, fragmented squads and not having the uh, the ability to change it much. So now now we've got a squad that's more in his his style and we've we've got we're using data, things like that, you know. It's, <laughs> it's a it's, crazy idea, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And you talk to talk to anyone in any other business and it's like, oh we're actually using data to inform our future decisions. And people are like, yeah, we've been doing that for 10 years. <laughs> and football is still like you know, you celebrate clubs like Brentford that have been doing it, and they've they've been held aloft like some kind of pioneers. When you know, if they did, if if they just came into the financial world and said, "Oh, we're going to start using data," they're going to be like, "Yeah, yeah, why, why aren't you using that?" So, I mean, I mean yeah. Brentford as well. If you look at them, they've done like things that, if to be fair though, if other if it was widely done, would be, I mean, heavily criticised. If you like, if you you know, not to get too deeply into it, but like Brentford, Huddersfield teams like that have just sacked off the the kind of under twenty threes essentially and they've both got the B teams, yeah. all mm. that kind of stuff, because they say, well, financially there's no point investing all of these all of this money in homegrown players when we can just go and cherry pick and buy the ones we want and potentially sell them on at a profit down the line. Um I think as well there's there's only certain clubs you can do that at. Yeah. I think if you were, if you were going to do that with Sunderland and Newcastle, the Leeds, etc., and say this is a five to ten year project, project we're going to recruit people by data, we're going to sell our best assets. I'm not necessarily sure you'd have the patience or the um, no. leeway to do that. Yeah. Well, did, didn't New, Newcastle, Newcastle suck the reserves off for a bit? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they I did, think yeah. it was either under, it was Ke- either under, under Keegan. Under Keegan, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was either Keegan or Dalglish that just completely binned them off as a as a concept. 
Yeah, because that's, that's why Carrick went to Man United, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It set them back because, you know, the, there's a whole... You know, there's a whole argument about the hotbed of football being the northeast, but there's not that many football clubs in the northeast. So, yeah. you know, if one club ditches its reserve system and and there's no pathway for players, it's it is kind of keenly felt. Because um, if Sunderland won't sign them, if Middlesbrough won't sign them, what, what's your options, Darlington, Hartlepool? Yeah. Then obviously you're going to look elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, and, yeah, I mean you're right, Chris. It's different at different clubs, and I think it's Sunderland. It is a a, a largely important, um, you know, part of our identity as a club. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the idea of having, like, you know, the cliche hotbed of football, like Richard's saying, but I think there is an element of those cliches that get into, like, the bloodstream of a club or the support, and you have that idea, you know, everyone wants to know who the, you know, the next the next one is, who's the next cab off the rank, who's the one who's going to, come in that you know when the, and then when they get on the pitch people like you know top of my head last few years you know Dan Neal recently um you know Madger when he you know we we bought him from somewhere but he came through the system um obviously Pickford Henderson people like that and there's that buzz and excitement around this next big thing I think you know that the character of the club would be damaged immensely at Sunderland if if that was taken away Agreed. Agreed. Um, and I, I think I think also moving forward, if Sunderland hopefully move through the divisions, you're you're I think now more than ever, your local talent has to be a key component of the first yeah. team. It's, it's a bit like Southampton, I guess, when they dropped it does they, it they does. brought a few in, didn't they? Because for all this idea of players only want to move to London is a little bit sickening and it's where do you live, Chris? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not on the players. I'm not, not on the wages of a Fulham player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and although it is a bit like you don't, why would someone? You don't really want to sign a, a player whose character would say they want to join Fulham over a Sunderland or a Newcastle, etc. Um, it's it's a reality that there are going to be players out there who you're recruiting that that will just want to move to London or or Manchester at a push. Um, so you, you do have to have your local talent playing a key bedrock of your team and, and giving them the chance now and al- allowing them to progress through the, the divisions. I'm not necessarily sure why that wasn't a key component when someone first went into League One. I mean, it's interesting as well. We've obviously utilised, you know, that ourselves in in that the, the players at the clubs who can't, there's no pathway for them to come through at some some clubs, yeah. you know, we've kind of, you know, um, sort of been the vultures in a way in the transfer market, and we've gone well. If you know, Dennis certain season's got what Ori and I don't know who, who the other Spurs right back is. Is it Regulon or something? I don't know if he's yeah, Regulon, yeah, Regulon um, Davis. Yeah, which planet is he from? Regulon. He sounds like it does sound like a sort of weird alien in Star Trek or something. Um, but yeah, <laughs> these sorts of players. Um. Yeah, you know, if they're looking at it and going, well, if the deal's to be there to be done, and it is smart because it can go, well, you're a player who should really be getting, you know, around the bench maybe more regularly when the opportunity presents itself. That's never going to present itself at a team like Tottenham. Why aren't you going to play for Sunderland? Yeah, it's yep. in League One, but you're going to play every week. 
you're going to learn. You're only 19. You know, look, Huggins is the same situation with Leeds um, that were brought in. So, you know, that's been really positive and the loans have looked really good. Obviously, Broadhead was a miss at the weekend um, after his performance the other week and he's looked very good. I think, you know, as we moves... You know, I think that's been a real big positive. We brought in players so they're so mobile and they look great when the you know I was saying in the group chat after that Cheltenham game. They're like he just he's biomechanically great. He just looks nice. Like when he's moving, he doesn't look like he doesn't look like his like his legs are trying to do something different. It was, he's not doesn't look like Conor McLaughlin sort of thing on the ball. Do you know what I mean? He looks like yeah. he, he's kind of just all just moving nicely in the right way. And it think, does help if you if you've got that. It does help. What what I said like in in previous seasons <laughs> is when you watch a Premier League game, I like say if you watched uh, Man City Liverpool, it just looks like a completely different sport. Yeah, and even like lower league, a uh, lower league, low, lower lower table uh, Premier League games, they look like a completely different sport. But now, now that we've got players that have a first touch, and that the second touch isn't a tackle, you know, it's it, it, it's a little bit. A little bit pleasant to see. Uh, I don't want to get carried away and say these yeah. players can absolutely play in the Premier League, but they've got quality that yeah. that is that is definitely potentially higher than this division. Um, yeah. So that, that's gone. On, Chris, I, sorry. I, I also I also think that giving those kind of players a chance now, and if some do get promoted, then there is an opportunity in the Championship because you have the teams mm. inevitably who will occupy the top spots who've got the parachute payments. But the rest of the championship, there's so many clubs struggling financially. I don't think there's a great deal of quality in the bottom half of the championship. So that if you if you can go up as a team where it can grow and there's the potential for improvement, you're in a really good position, I think. I think the the championship is so rife with with clubs that are that that are that are us two years ago. That was two three the, the, years the, the, ago. And it's uh, it's there's an opportunity, just like just like Brentford have. They're a well-run club, yeah, and that they've they've got a little bit of a, a plan together, and they've just they've just kind of quietly got on yeah. with it. They finished in the playoffs a few seasons in a row. They, they came close season before last, and then then finally did it last season. You know, it's it's because there's I I, I don't want to use the term basket case clubs, but that's that's kind of what they are, and it's it's, it's, it's they they're, they're there to be kind of. Just, just to ease past quietly while while they're having dramas like like it's happening at, at down at Derby County. It's it's you know there, there's a real opportunity with a, a kind of a, a side that's got a little bit of togetherness about them to just to just keep on going and use that momentum that they that they get from 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 coming out of the out of this league. You know, there's an opportunity that you put a decent side together and you, you've got you've got as good a chance as any to, to get out of that division too. See the um if you want to hear about how to um, turn things around at Derby, obviously there's only one man you go to. <laughs> and that's uh, <laughs> Mr. Methven apparently, well, not apparently, has been um, lecturing us all on how to um, turn a turn a flailing crisis basket, club, basket case club around. So, yeah. you know, thank, I would like to extend uh, our great <laughs> thanks at the Wise Men Say podcast to Charlie Methven and everything he did. Thanks for all your help. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's. I don't want to get into that. It's a good job Chris isn't on the pod. I know when he read it, like you could, you could feel the steam like rising. Like, if, if it's got a bit foggy in concert today, it was just Chris going off. Don't worry about it, it's fine. Um, 
Yeah, but was, you know, overall, you know, it's funny actually when you were saying there, Richard, about how we've got an identified style of play and in a way it's sort of ironic that that's the thing that kind of caused what happened at the weekend. We have this we have this identity and this ideal and we uh, tried to impose that on, on Saturday and and it kind of came back to to bite us in the backside. So it's yeah. quite funny, really. But I'd rather I'd yeah. rather you know play that way, win more games, draw fewer games, and eventually you'll you'll get the points you need to to go up um, tomorrow night or Tuesday night. Uh, Lincoln uh, away from home in the in the trophy, the, our first trophy game. I think this is Lincoln's third. Um, yeah, and uh, they can qualify. An, yeah, it was announced today that uh, the the Man United. Games on the Wednesday, the thirteenth of October, against their under twenty threes in the competition as well. Um, Appleton coming out and saying he's going to pick a strong team because they want to get through to the next round. Um, what kind of makeup do we expect of the Sunderland side? Um, I don't think Winchester's been called up, hasn't he? So he won't be available yeah. at all. Has Huggins been called up at all to any of the he's, age? He, yeah, he's just been with, he's just been withdrawn. I he's been with through injury. He's withdrawn to injury, right? So he won't be playing either. So would expect quite a young side. Then would you would you have thought that maybe a lot of under twenty three involvement? Maybe very heavy. I would imagine, um, particularly as there's, there's already a few with niggling injuries like McGeady, Gooch, etc. At Broadhead, I would think it'd be very inexperienced to go for. I don't think. I don't think the um, Papa John's will be top of the priority list. No. I mean, Gooch might come back in, I guess, because he's if he's he's okay and he's not played in a little maybe. while, so maybe they want to keep him ticking over. Um, Denver Hume, I would, would have thought, would come in, which would be nice to see him come back into the team. Um, I think you know they should play Dejakno again. I think yeah, he yeah, should, I, I think I, I, he should play. I think he needs as much football as he possibly can get. Um, especially yeah. if they're going to pick a stronger a stronger side. Be interesting to see what he what how he performs as almost a. A senior player in 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 that group, mm. um, and you would have thought O'Brien will probably get involved as well, wouldn't you? So, even though he's played at the weekend, um, but yeah, you might see a few of the the younger lads involved there. So, if you're making the trip down, um, good luck to you. Fair play <laughs> and all that clapping hands emoji. Hashtag fair play. Hashtag respect. Um, what, what, one, one thing we didn't discuss though when we were talking about the start of the season is we haven't really got to that part of the, because of the international break, we haven't really got to that part of the season yet where it's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. And Sunderland's squad depth when everyone is fit hasn't really been become the advantage that it potentially no. could be on a club like a Wigan where we saw when they rested players for the, for the League Cup were pretty... Um, Pretty average, to be polite. Yeah, I mean, well, we we saw a little bit of that in the Cheltenham game where we made five changes and 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 exactly. won the game comfortably. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, that could be a massive trump card <clears> in November, <throat> December, January time. I guess the issue always you you have to play the team we play at the weekend, um, and then you've got nothing behind that. But it feels we've seen like we've been a little bit lucky that we've lost the options of Broadhead, McGeady, and Gooch all at once. You'd you'd hope that yeah. wouldn't be a common occurrence. No. Um, yeah, did that. I think you're right, Chris. I think that's when we'll start to see, and I think that's when we'll. I think that's when we'll, you know, really hit our straps. You know, like when when we start getting those games, like con, like, con, like constant games. I think that'll benefit us. I think you know. I agree. 
Um, I just think that they look like a team who just want to want to be on the pitch. They don't want to be training in the week with the one game on the Saturday. They want to be playing all the time. Um, and yeah, hopefully the opportunities will come for some of the other players who haven't played as much. And they'll, they, you know, by when by the time you're 20 games in, 25 games in, you know, you're gonna have players in there who've just learned, have learned a hell of a lot. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think that's like a, you know, a, a real positive something to look forward to. You know, because if some of these players look as good as they have now, what are they gonna look like with the benefit of those extra games? Um, and that's that's quite exciting, isn't it? Even if it doesn't happen this season, over the course of the next sort of 18 months, maybe we might start to see that. Um, the Sunderland ladies, if you're at the um, loose end on Saturday because there's no game, um, they're playing um, Durham um, in the what's being labelled the Riverweir Derby. I wonder who came up with that, but you know, fair enough. Um, that's at Eppleton, I think it's five pound a ticket to get in there. Um, so if you fancy going to watch some football, I think it's 12 o'clock kickoff. Uh, so yeah, get yourself down to Eppleton for the game. I mean, um, technically, it's not Eppleton. Oh, we're, we're having this conversation, are we? Well, you I said it twice, I mean. so, I don't really so I let, I let it go I don't once, really care. But... It's called Eppleton. Yeah, because that's that's the club that played there traditionally, but they don't now. It is in like Eppleton. Eppleton like... itself is is a different part of Hetton. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I've I've gone I've yeah. gone on it now. Yeah, well, at least they're not playing at South Shields, so you know. Well, exactly, yeah. Um, or Hebben, um, but yeah. So you know, if if you want to, um, you know, go and see some live football the weekend. I know that oftentimes a national week, non-league days promoters and stuff like that. But yeah, get yourself down at the weekend and, and watch the lasses. Um, but I think that's probably about everything, really. Unless I've missed something. Have no. I missed anything? No. Well, there you go. So thanks again, Chris, for joining us um, after all these years. Like the and you can come. You can come back anytime. Um, you, you're more than welcome. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks very much for listening. Um, Stephen, we'll be back next week, so you can all rest easy in your beds. Actually, no, you won't be back next week because we'll, there's no game, so we won't be having a podcast. So the next one will be uh, Matt and, and Tom. I would have thought the preview, uh, the Gillingham game, and get us to go and see our lovely old friend Steve Evans, a lovely man to watch, but not to listen to. Or smell, probably. Thanks for listening.